On the first official day of free agency, not much happened for the Seahawks, but John Schneider and company took care of some housekeeping with a few tenders for exclusive rights free agents. We'll be breaking down the moves Seattle made on Wednesday here on our latest Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings 12, this is Corbin Smith, host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast, your daily Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Glad to be joined for a special free agency edition of Matchup Wednesday by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. And a special thanks as always to the 12s out there for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. It was a pretty quiet first day of official free agency, at least at the point of recording here. It's been a pretty quiet day for the Seahawks, but made a few moves housekeeping-wise to keep a few of their own players. We'll be breaking that down, plus playing a special edition matchup Wednesday, looking at best remaining fits in free agency for the Seahawks and taking a look at how things have changed with the number five overall pick, thanks to the Carolina Panthers and a certain player by the name of Jalen Carter. We'll be diving into how that situation's changed for the Seahawks as we draw closer to the draft. Jam-packed episode coming your way, so let's get to it. Now for your lead story here on our Wednesday edition of Locked On Seahawks. Not much going on at the VMAC, at least in terms of signings today for the Seahawks. No new additions after Draymond Jones and Jaron Reed were picked up the last two days during the legal tampering period. But that doesn't mean that the Seahawks didn't make any moves. And they were able to retain a few of their own free agents. Today about Ryan a first right of refusal tender. Today, the Seahawks tendered three of their exclusive rights free agents. And Rob, a couple of these players on defense in particular have a chance. One of them already was a starter last season, but the other one, even with the additions at defensive tackle, might have an opportunity to play a lot more snaps next season. Hey, Miles Adams absolutely could. He is one of the players that we kind of talked about previously that, that really had splashed, um, you know, in his limited opportunities. I, I don't know that on paper that he fits in best with, with what Seattle is looking to do from the three forward defensive alignment. You just look at who they were able to bear, to bring in and Draymond Jones and, and then, of course, Jaron Reed. You're talking about two big physical guys. You don't have a guy who is that, that kind of – Quick off the pat off the rush, uh, you know, penetrator the way that Miles Adams is, but yet still he is one of the players that Seattle re- retained or at least uh, gave that initial offer to. The other ones who Seattle has those exclusive rights, free agent opportunities with, would be the cornerback Michael Jackson brought him back or at least give him that offer again, Miles Adams, and then the linebacker John Radigan. Um, this, of course, is along with. The, the safety Ryan Neal that we talked about yesterday, Corbin, I think that these are four players that they make an awful lot of sense because they're not only good players, they're players that fit in with what Seattle is looking to do with their kind of transition to this new defensive scheme. And I say new because a year ago, Seattle said they were going to be making this transition, but we're also seeing basically a bloodletting uh, at, at you know who they have been letting go and who they have been trying to bring into the the roster in terms of uh, the veterans and then looking towards the draft. 
And, and so to me, th this is a kind of a fascinating look at, at their plans because there were other players that did not get these types of offers. Penny Hart, the wide receiver position, Tanner Muse, the linebacker position. Perhaps those guys will be brought back. But at least at this point, Seattle basically showed who their priorities were. Again, giving the qualifying offers to uh, the, the safety um uh, the, the safety in, in Ryan Neal, as well as those three players, the cornerback, Michael Jackson, defensive lineman, Miles Adams, and again, linebacker, John Radigan. Yeah, these were all easy decisions for the Seahawks. We've sure. talked about the value of Ryan Neal. And in fact, I think that there's still a chance that maybe they made a little bit of a mistake there because if another team throws an offer sheet at Ryan Neal and the Seahawks don't match, they're not going to get anything back in return. It's an original round tender and he's an undrafted rookie back in the day so those players they don't have a draft status so you're not going to get any draft picks back for an original round tender second round tender though was a couple million dollars more and the cap is looking pretty tight at this point for the Seahawks and so they're hoping that they can maybe get an extension done I've been told that that's something that's working behind the scenes right now that they are trying to ensure that they don't lose Ryan Neal but right now he's on that lowest tender and at least that gives them the flexibility to be able to match if another team comes in there. But they don't have a lot of money to work with if somebody comes in with a home run offer for them. And as for the exclusive rights free agents, we've talked about this ever since the end of the season. Mike Jackson's a player to me that hasn't gotten near enough credit from a lot of fans with the way he played this year. I thought he was a really solid starter across from Tariq Woolen. Now, you don't have the interception numbers, only one interception sure. last year, but he had a bunch of pass breakups. And you want to talk about a guy that will come up and hit you and you have to be able to tackle to play corner for Pete Carroll on this defense. He wants corners that are going to be willing tacklers against the run, blow people up on screens. We saw Mike Jackson do that a lot this past season, and he still hasn't played a lot of NFL football as a former fifth-round pick that bounced around with a number of teams before getting this opportunity in Seattle. So he's a player that very much is entrenched in that left cornerback position right now. They may add somebody else to compete against him. Trey Brown's going to be more than a year removed from his injury. So he's going to have to keep that job and battle off people. But right now he's got a great chance to be the starter again going into the 2023 season. And as I mentioned, you talked about it. Miles Adams with the departures of Shelby Harris and Quentin Jefferson, even with Draymond Jones and Jaron Reed coming in, I actually was really impressed with how Miles Adams played in their 3-4 defense last season, and he played much bigger than I expected. Pete Carroll said he's 300 pounds now, but he has typically been a 290, 295-pound defensive tackle. Those kind of players don't normally work in a two-gapping scheme or a 3-4 defense as well, but he plays with good leverage. He's physically tough for his size. And I think every time he's gotten a chance to play the last two years, he's done a really nice job. So at $870,000 for next season, that is a bargain for a guy that could get a lot of snaps in a rotational role, playing a lot of different alignments for you up front. And you mentioned John Radigan yesterday, too. I think he's the only linebacker that they have on the roster right now. Everybody else is either departing or injured. So he's going to maybe have a chance to get some snaps on defense being more than a year removed from his ACL injury. All these players made sense. As for the guys that didn't get tendered, Godwin Igubuke, I think, is going to be back, but they're going to be looking at split contracts with these guys at the same money value that gives them a little bit more flexibility in terms of how they pay guys out, how they move them to injured reserve, whatever they choose to do. It 
helps them, it benefits them during the season. And I could see them trying to sign a few of these guys, including Iguabuque. Maybe Tanner Muse comes back on a much cheaper deal than they would have had to tender him for. But they've given themselves plenty of flexibility, and they made sure to lock up the guys that they knew were going to 100% be part of this football team next year. Yeah, and, and I like that you mentioned the possibility of Seattle retaining some of these players that they didn't initially tender. I mean, that's the thing is that, you know, I, I think there's a lot of followers of NFL teams, Corbin, who, who think that just because you don't immediately offer the maximum contract to a player, oh, then you don't like this guy and he is, he is moving on. That, that's just not the reality. I think that Seattle is going to, uh, you know, possibly try to bring back some of these players that they that they didn't initially, uh, you know, give those tenders to. Again, Tanner Muse being an example, Penny Hart being another example. Um, you know, there there's some really good football players out there. But I wanted to go, kind of go back to the conversation that we we mentioned briefly with Ryan Neal. I, I think there's going to be some Seahawks fans out there like. Why didn't the Seahawks offer him more money, guarantee that that second round tender, perhaps that would have been the maximum and said, OK, if somebody else was to sign Ryan Neal, then sure, the Seahawks would expect a, a draft pick in return where we're seeing a lot of clubs that get in these kind of returns. Why didn't Seattle do that? To me, that's a natural question. Well, I can tell you why. It's because Seattle is going to be up against the cap because as they have proven here in the last couple of days with Draymond Jones and Jaron Reed, Seattle's going for it a little bit, I, a little bit more than I kind of thought that they might. Um, and it looks like they're going to try to squeeze every different difference maker that they might be able to possibly be able to bring into the cap. And, and they also gave a player-friendly offer to Ryan Neal. And they basically said, look, to, to Ryan Neal and to his representatives, if you can find a better deal out there, then go get it. And, and we're going to keep that option to retain you because we think you're a terrific football player. We've got a couple of, we think are going to be all pro safeties in Quandre Diggs and Jamal Adams, but still you are certainly a valuable part of our team. If, if Seattle was to give Ryan Neal that second round tender Corbin, they would have had to offer him a couple of extra million dollars. That might be money that they are looking to use for some of veterans of, of other positions of concern. And also it would very much limit a player who has done everything imaginable for the Seahawks. He's played every single position. So I, I just think that if you look at this from the player perspective, Seattle did a little bit of a solid for Ryan Neal, just because they want to give him that opportunity. They, they acknowledge what that he has done. And if he gets that offer from some other club, cool. Then, and, then fist bump. If not, and again, it still gives Seattle the opportunity to match that deal if they can pull it off. And I think that they would. I think that re bringing back a player like Brian Neal is a priority. But also, you create waves of optimism, waves of buy-in among your locker room when you give this type of a deal to a player like Ryan Neal who deserves it. Um, and then at the same time, you also protect him. You also say you are part of our franchise moving forward if you don't get some kind of big deal in free agency so again to me this is similar to what we saw with, with geno smith it, it's similar to the whole you know mantra really that has been pete carroll and john schneider from the get-go is that it's going to be player friendly it's going to be team friendly let's go it's all about creating some type of a team mentality and trying to win moving forward i think that they did that with ryan neal i think it's going to be interesting to see what happens moving forward with him i think the seattle has given themselves a little bit of an out and ryan neal a little bit of out he could move on but if he does, then kind of like what happened with Rashad Penny, then, then 
good luck for you, young man. You know, we're rooting for you. It obviously didn't happen here the way that you might have thought financially, but um, what you've done here has earned respect. And, and Seattle, the, the Seahawks as a franchise, I think, are trying to show Ryan Neal that respect, but also bring him back if they can. And you mentioned those extra couple million dollars. There's a reason why they want those couple extra million dollars because sure. you said they're going for it. And there's still some decent free agents out there here a couple days into the start of the league year, an opportunity for the Seahawks maybe to still add some premium talent at an affordable price. We're going to be playing some matchup Wednesday coming up next, free agent edition, looking at centers, linebackers, and maybe a wild card position, players that would be the best fit for the Seahawks remaining available in free agency. We'll get to those here in a moment on our Wednesday edition of Locked On Seahawks. This episode is brought to you away by FanDuel. We're past the midway point in the NBA season. Now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. So just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and three-pointers drained. I'm a big fan of betting on player props, including FanDuel's player parlay builder for example you can bet on christian wood to score 20 points tonight at plus 195 FanDuel will even let you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay so don't miss the chance don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on that's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the nba you're listening to Matchup Wednesday Free Agency Edition here on the Locked on Seahawks podcast. This is your host, Corbin Smith. Glad, as always, to be joined by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. And a special thanks to all the 12s out there, as always, for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate your support of the podcast. Let's get to a special edition Matchup Wednesday. Our diehard listeners know during the regular season, every Wednesday, we look at key matchups going into games. We're going to have a new spin on it today looking at players that would be perfect matches for the Seahawks that still remain on the free agent market. Now, Rob, we identified two positions, one on offense, one on defense, that we think the Seahawks still need to address because they don't have anybody on the roster really at either position. And then both of us are going to throw out a wild card position that we think might be under the radar that the Seahawks could try to sign somebody in free agency. Let's start on offense at the pivot position at center. Austin Blythe retired. Kyle Fuller is a free agent. There is not a center on the Seahawks roster right now. There's been a number of good ones already plucked off the free agent market, but there's still some quality players out there. And there's one that might be joining the free agent list here very shortly that I know you have your eye on for the Seahawks. Well, I've had my eye on Ryan Kelly from Indianapolis Colts. He's a pro bowler last three years running and it was a first round pick from Alabama, you know, four years ago. And I've had my eye on him basically since that time. Um, I, I just think that if you have a center um, who is of that caliber, then you're basically blocking the the shortest distance to where you can possibly impact the quarterback. And I think that's especially important, Corbin, when you're playing in a division that has a player of the caliber of Aaron Donald. Um, and I look at what San Francisco is building now as well. And, you know, for a long time there was just on the outside. Now it's very much going to be on the inside as well. And, and so, again, I think that you have to protect the interior of your offensive line. That was a huge concern when you had a shorter quarterback in Russell Wilson. It continues to be a huge concern when you have a quarterback like Geno Smith, who is accurate, 
until you get up in his face and you can't see anything. That, that, that's basically with every quarterback in the NFL. So it is critical. I, I've been pounding the table now for years that Seattle has to protect the interior of their offensive line. And so to me, Ryan Kelly, who is currently a member of the Indianapolis Colts, and I, there, there's been a lot of reports out there that perhaps the Indianapolis Colts would consider trading their center, Ryan Kelly. I think this has got to be a story, got to be a situation that Seattle is very much paying attention to. If he is perhaps available, if the, if the Colts cut him, I think Seattle has to be having real strong conversations. Because we're not talking about a quality center. We're talking about an above average, a, a, a clearly difference-making center. I like his size, I like his physicality. There's some there's some rookies in this draft class core, but I'm also excited about. But again, I think with the the, the salary cap flexibility the Seahawks currently have, I think that the center position is one that you have to prioritize. Uh, inside linebacker being one on the defensive side of the ball as well. But again, if Ryan Kelly of the Colts, a, a proven Pro Bowl caliber player, still a, a a fairly young player, I believe he's 27, 28. Um, if he is available to Seattle, I think that this has got to be somebody that you consider. So to me, he would be my matchup Wednesday. He would be the biggest matchup, I think, in terms of what Seattle wants to be moving forward. Yeah, Ryan Kelly would make some sense. I'm going to think outside the box a little bit, though, with a player that could start at one of the guard spots or at center and is only 26 years old. And that is Evan Brown, who's played for the Detroit Lions the last couple of years. And the first thing that jumps out to me with him, we know how much Pete Carroll and John Schneider love undrafted free agents that come in and carve not just a role on a roster, but carve out a starting spot. And Evan Brown has done that the last two years. Two years ago, he stepped into the starting lineup at center for Frank Ragnow, who was injured. And all he did is only give up one sack and eight pressures on over 450 pass protection reps. So he was phenomenal at the center position two years ago. Run blocking was iffy. But we saw major improvements last year when he slid over to guard. They got Ragno back, and this was a really good offensive line. He's only 26 years old, but he's played at a high level at guard and at center. So you look at Seattle's situation. They re-signed Phil Haynes, so he's the front runner to start at right guard. But why not bring in a player like Evan Brown and say, look, we're going to start you either at center or right guard, depending how the draft plays out. But we're going to give you decent money here, multi-year contract, maybe backload a little bit. But you're going to be a starter. We'll figure out where you're going to be at, though, based on what's available to us in the draft. It gives you a ton of flexibility, and teams don't know what you are necessarily going to do along the offensive line come draft time. If you get a guy that's strictly a guard, okay, we think they're going to be identifying a center. This gives you flexibility. He's young. He's a former undrafted free agent. He's been really solid pass pro, improves a run blocker, 320 pounds. I mean, what is there not to like? And I think he's a player that could potentially be signed in a deal, at least for this next season cap-wise, that would still fit into what the Seahawks are looking to do along the offensive line. Now let's go over to the defensive side of the ball. And this has been a talking point for us for a couple of days now because linebackers have been flying off of the shelves. And there's not a lot of players left. Levante David going back to the Buccaneers today. There are not a lot of linebackers left, but obviously there's a big name that's played a long time for the Seahawks is still out there. There are a couple other decent players available as well. Who is your perfect match for the Seahawks at inside linebacker, the position that is a barren wasteland right now? 
Well, it is a barren wasteland on Seattle's roster. It's a it's becoming a barren wasteland out there in, in terms of a veteran free agency, and that was not the case a couple of days ago. We talked about this, Corbin. It, it, the, the draft class is just not that good at off-ball linebacker. There's a, guy, a lot of guys out there who have some flashy statistics and things like that that people are excited about. I get it. But I think that the, the fact that so many NFL teams out there just spend an awful lot of money on all these veterans that were out there. Well, meanwhile, there is a, you know, I don't know, a dozen or 20 wide receivers that people have heard of, tight ends that people have heard of, running backs that people have heard of that aren't getting signed. And that's because those positions, at least running back is still a good one. Um, you know, but still the, the point is that linebacker, the veteran class was better and a lot of really good football players flew off the board, so to speak, over these first couple of days. But Bobby Wagner still available out there, and my goodness, what an exciting, you know, Matt, or, or what an exciting reunion that would be. I mean, not only because it's Bobby Wagner. I mean, my goodness. I mean, one of the most iconic players, not only the last ten years. I mean, you know, Corbin, I've been following this team since literally 1976 when the franchise first began. I'll admit that was when I was born, so it's not like I was a passionate fan at that point. But still, my point is is that I have been following this team for an awful long time, and there are very, very few players that have just the impact that Bobby Wagner would have. So if there's any kind of reunification possible, as your co-host in a show a couple of days ago, Quandre Diggs, the Seahawks Pro Bowl free safety suggested that there is mutual interest between the Seahawks and Bobby Wagner. So if that was, in fact, to be possible, then, oh, my goodness, sign me up. And, and I, I argued a year ago that Bobby Wagner was not the greatest fit for the Seahawks. And I, I still feel strongly about that point. But my goodness, did he prove me and many others wrong with having this the unbelievable season that he just had for the Rams. He would have to swallow his pride a little bit. I can't imagine that Seattle is going to give him the massive contract that he might be looking for. That Frankly, after last season, he, he deserves. But still, let, let's just be real with our situation at this point. He is not going to get that type of contract. He has not been offered that type of contract for any other NFL team. Otherwise, he probably would have signed already. But still, he has the size. He has the physicality. He has the leadership that Seattle craves at that position. I would love for this to be a match. And that's why we're talking about this on Matchup Wednesday, a match that the Seahawks can make happen. It's a match made in heaven, like Diggs said, at least for the short term to bring him back. That being said, you have to have a contingency plan when you're looking at free agency. And there is one player out there still that is a younger talent that brings a lot of athleticism, covered skills, blitzing ability that I think would make some sense for the Seahawks. Now, I don't know necessarily that he's the best fit for a 3-4 defense, not the best run defender at times because he's only 234 pounds, but Drew Tranquil for the Chargers last year had a career season with 146 tackles. He had five sacks for the Chargers, had an interception. His overall coverage numbers don't look great, but this is a guy that has a background. He's played some safety earlier in his football career at Notre Dame, extremely athletic, a guy that can fly around the field. He's also an extremely intelligent player, and you know the Seahawks value that at the linebacker position. And so there are some red flags there. He's had a season. He only played one game due to injury a few years ago. 
He, last year was the first year he had over 80 tackles in a season. He's been more of a situational linebacker for the Chargers until last year. But last season really was a breakout year for him with the Chargers getting the playoffs, had a very strong season. And his ability to blitz and fly all over the football field and really bring that intelligent, high IQ presence to the middle. If they aren't going to bring back Bobby Wagner, then Tranquil is a player that right now in a suppressed market, I mean, guys have been getting signed left and right, but they're not getting a lot of money. I mean, Levante David got $7 million for one year. It's not like teams are dishing out a lot of money for this position. If you can get a multi-year deal with Drew Tranquil at an affordable price with his athleticism, I still think that he has room to improve as a player too. This could be a guy that makes some sense for the Seahawks if they can't bring back number 54. Now, let's get real quick to our wild card position. Everybody's looking at center and linebacker for a reason, but who real quick is your wild card matchup for the Seahawks and free agency that you think would be a really nice fit that's still out there? Yeah, I think, again, real quick, I think that you got to look at the wide receiver position. It's, it's been one that Seattle has been able to kind of get some guys over the last couple of, uh, of years. I mean, Marquise Goodwin being an example of that here recently. Um, Dorsett in, in the past. Guys who have the straight line speed to be able to take advantage of an offense that is looking to throw the ball deep. Russell Wilson had that accuracy deep. Geno Smith does as well. That needing a third set of hands to go along with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. To me, one of the guys that is available um, that I have always been intrigued by is DJ Chark. Um, you know, Corbin, I, I hopped on the website spottrack.com, uh, which kind of lists the, the, the 10 free agents that are still available because guys are getting signed left and right. Some of the players that I was going to highlight here, I thought the Seahawks should sign earlier, were already gone. Chark, at least when we started this show, was still available. And of the top 10 wide receivers listened by, listed by that website, he was the only, he was the youngest of the bunch, 26 years old. He is also, at least in my opinion, is the fastest of that bunch. Again, he's not a full-range wide receiver. You already have two superstars. But he can go get over the top, and, and he has the size I'm looking for as well. It, it might be... A, a bit of a luxury at the free agent position if you believe that Derek Young is going to be that guy. But still, I also believe that you want to bring in veterans that are going to kind of push. So to me, DJ Chark would be my wild card. Is a guy that might surprise. If the Seahawks were to sign this player as a free agent, there might be a lot of fans out there. But I, I think this position is already solved. What about this position? That's the whole point. We're trying to pick out a wild card. To me, DJ Chark is one of the wild cards. I might be a little bit more willing to push outside of the boundaries to bring him into the fold. We've talked a lot about the cornerback position. And typically, I avoid veteran corners like the plague, at least which, with the Seahawks, signing from other teams. We remember the Kerry William experience and some of the other things that have happened for the Seahawks. They have normally not had that success bringing in veterans. They just tendered Mike Jackson, who, as we've talked about, had a very solid first year as a starter. They got Trey Brown still on the roster. This is a deep, talented cornerback class. But I got to go with a Quandre Diggs special here for my wild card, just hitting the market today, the best friend of Quandre Diggs. And, by the way, still a very damn good football player. And that is Darius Slay, who the Philadelphia Eagles released because they couldn't agree on a restructured contract. The Eagles were in a financial bind coming off of their Super Bowl season. Slay is going to be 32. So there are some things that stand out that make you think, yeah, this might not be a great fit. He's a man cover corner primarily. That's his strength. So 
Where is he going to fit into this defense? But at the same time, you put him opposite of Tariq Woolen, and you have Quandre Diggs and Jamal Adams back healthy behind him. That is a dynamic secondary. Darius Slay has 26 career interceptions. This guy is a football magnet. He also has a knack for recovering fumbles. Two years ago, he took two of them back for touchdowns. He's a capable tackler. He plays much bigger than his size at six foot, 190 pounds. He's been doing this for a long time at a high level, was great last year, made his fifth Pro Bowl. He's been an all-pro selection earlier in his career. And again, the familiarity with Quandre Diggs. You don't want to take what players say too seriously in terms of your decision-making as a general manager. you got to make the choices, but sure. having a cohesive secondary with chemistry really matters, and so – Let's make it happen. Find a way to get Darius Slay reunited with Quandre Diggs in the Pacific Northwest. And I would be on board with that. Avoid veteran cornerbacks otherwise, but this is what I actually think could make some sense and work for the Seahawks in the short term. Coming up next, we're going to shift to the NFL draft. If you were hiding under a rock, you might not have noticed, but the Carolina Panthers traded up to the first pick. How does that impact Seattle's decision-making process, especially with one of the perceived top five prospects? Uh, tumbling a little bit with his draft stock. We're going to break that all down coming up next year on our Wednesday edition of Locked On Seahawks. This episode is brought your way by Altman Football GM. If you listen to our podcast regularly, you know how much I love the mobile game Altman Football GM. If you've ever dreamed of becoming an NFL general manager like John Schneider and managing your own football franchise, your dream can come true, and this game is definitely for you. Manage every strategic aspect of your team. Play through the season. Lead your team to glory. You're responsible for everything from hiring the right coaches and coordinators to trading players, making draft picks, navigating your franchise through free agency and the draft and all the ups and downs of the season. All of this is available in a challenging and realistic game world. If you want to give John Schneider a run for his money, running your own team, this is the way to go. Ultimate Football GM is completely free and playable offline. You can play on the go as you want, when you want to. It's a blast, and our listeners should join in on the fun in their own league. Locked On Seahawks listeners can get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code Locked On. That's in all caps in the game store that's locked on in all caps so make sure to check it out today download the game at ultimate-gm.com or look it up on the app store that's ultimate-gm.com ultimate football gm start your dynasty today you're listening to the wednesday edition of locked on seahawks i'm your host corbin smith glad as always to be joined by my co-host in crime Rob Rang, and a special thanks, as always, to all the 12s out there for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. For your second listen, make sure to check out the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Damian Parson and Keith Sanchez provide in-depth coverage of the biggest NFL draft prospects with deep dives into the sleepers and hidden gems that can change your favorite NFL franchise. You can find Locked On NFL Draft wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, we're going to take a small break away from free agency, and it's a good day to do that since the Seahawks, at least to this point, have not done anything significant today other than tender players, no new additions, not a lot of major changes with players leaving. So we can shift our focus back to the upcoming 2023 NFL Draft. And Rob, this will actually be the first chance we've had to talk about this because of all the free agent hoopla that's been going on the last few days. But the Carolina Panthers making a rare early March trade up to get the number one pick from the Chicago Bears. They're going to be getting their new franchise quarterback. We don't know who that player is going to be just yet, but there's no question that that shakes things up in front of the Seahawks at pick number five. And if they wanted a quarterback, 
That might not necessarily be in the cards now, at least the guy that they wanted, but there are some positive benefits to this with the Chicago Bears now dropping back to number nine. You've got three teams in front of you that need a quarterback. That could set things up favorably for Seattle. Oh, my goodness, Corbin. It set things up beautifully for the Seahawks. I mean, yeah, if you wanted, if you had a certain quarterback in mind that you just had your heart set on, then, then yeah, this complicates things because the Carolina Panthers and, you know, Scott Fitter, a longtime Seattle executive, maybe knew what Seattle might be thinking and got the jump. I mean, they were very aggressive and went up from number nine overall to number one. And so, you know, hey, kudos to Scott Fitterer and to the Carolina Panthers. That, that shows an awful lot of guts to go up there and get whatever quarterback that they feel is the guy. The fun thing about this draft class, though, is that if you want a quarterback, there's more than one. This is a really good quarterback class that we've talked about for quite literally more than a year now. It's also a pretty darn good year as far as defensive players. And of course, that is a huge area of concern. So if we do, in fact, see the quarterbacks come off the board, as many are expecting at this point, you have the Carolina Panthers just trade up to number one. Presumably, they're going to take a quarterback. That has been what their owner has mandated here for a couple of years now. The Carolina Panthers have struggled with that spot. You have the Houston Texans at number two. They obviously need help with the quarterback position as well. You have the Arizona Cardinals at number three. They've got Kyler Murray. They're, they're not going to be taking a quarterback at that spot. They're going to either take a defensive player or they're going to trade back. That is a little bit of a wild card. But number four, you have the Indianapolis Colts. They are in QB purgatory. Um, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan ha has been their quarterbacks for the last couple of years. Phillip Rivers the year before that. Do I need to say more? I mean, they obviously are going for a quarterback at that spot. So, you know, again, if Arizona stands pat number three and take a defensive player, then maybe that's Will Anderson, maybe that's Jalen Carter, maybe it's Tyree Wilson, but still somebody is going to fall to Seattle's lap at number five. If you want a defensive player, it looks like Seattle is going to get at minimum the second best defensive player in this draft class, Corbin. And my goodness, Pete Carroll has got to just be, you know, pumping up his air monarchs at this point. I mean, he's got to be as excited as it gets. And if you want a quarterback, you still, again, are in position to go get a quarterback. Seattle has 10 draft picks to get two first round picks. If they really want a guy, they could move up to get pretty much whoever they want. And if they just want to wait around and see if one of those really flashy talent just happens to fall into their laps uh, a will levis anthony richardson still you're in position to get that i love where this puts seattle with chicago bears trading out of number one overall chicago bears and just justin fields you didn't know what the heck they were going to do you may have been worried about that up until the moment of the draft and instead now we already know there's going to be a quarterback selected number one it allows seattle a little bit of creativity i think all options are available you want anthony richardson john shutter he might be available for you you want a you know will anderson jr tyree wilson even a jalen carter who a couple of weeks ago sounded preposterous to suggest that he might be available he absolutely could be available to you and so to me, Corbin, this is the perfect scenario for the Seahawks. They could trade out. They could take a quarterback. They could take the defensive lineman that feels like is the most logical situation. Any of those possibilities is available to them, and that is general manager 101. That's exactly what you want to do moving forward as the draft approaches. 
Yeah, you make some very good points there. I do think that this benefits the Seahawks with Geno Smith under contract. I mean, sure, if the right quarterback is there for them, then maybe they can pull the trigger. But that was never number one, two, three option. Like that was not the top thing that they were going to have to do. And this defense last year had so many holes and they've got some spots they got to fill in their roster. They need some dynamic talents. And so this sets up for them, assuming those three teams that you just mentioned are going to take quarterbacks, which I would be stunned if any of them don't take QBs with their top five picks. You could have a team like the Raiders fly up to number four, even though they just signed Jimmy Garoppolo. That's still a good veteran to have around to maybe mentor somebody like Will Levis or Anthony Richardson or whoever's available there. So the Cardinals might still have some teams that are willing to trade up to get a quarterback. You could have four quarterbacks go in a row to open this draft. And then Seattle's sitting there with Will Anderson Jr. popping right into their lap. Or if they like Tyree Wilson better, there are some teams out there that like Tyree Wilson as a top 30 pick. If he's there for you, you get one of those premium talents. Now, I have to go off the deep end a little bit here with Jalen Carter because this is a player that if you listen to our podcast regularly, you know how much I love the player. I think Jalen Carter could be a game wrecker at the defensive tackle position for the Seahawks in the NFC West for the next decade plus. He could be that next elite all-pro caliber player. He's got that kind of talent. He's that disruptive, great athleticism and size, but – There are enough red flags now. We know about the legal issues with his involvement in the street racing uh, incident that a former teammate and a Georgia staffer were killed in another vehicle because they crashed and then he fled the scene. There's reports out there that he lied to the police. I mean, that by itself already raises your eyebrows. But now you have him coming to his pro day. He didn't work out of the combine because he had to fly back down to Georgia with those arrest warrants. Didn't work out at Indy. Didn't end up doing anything but position drill work today. He was almost 10 pounds heavier, and it wasn't good weight. He couldn't get through his positional drills. John Schneider and Pete Carroll, they love elite talent. So maybe they're going to be doing their due diligence here. They're going to do their homework. Maybe they're, you know, maybe he's just depressed by what's going on with the legal situation and losing a former teammate. That's understandable, but you are not seeing the traits that Pete Carroll and John Schneider look for from players when they have adversity. You're not seeing the competitiveness. I mean, you just showed up to a redo for a job interview and completely flunked it today. John Schneider and Pete Carroll are not going to be okay with that. And where's the grit? You didn't see the grit there, not finishing your position drills because you were cramping and you were huffing and puffing. Like You're a top five NFL draft pick caliber player and you do that when you said you were going to be working out I I understand the circumstances but to me it's inexcusable and I just think John Schneider P. Carroll with the Malik McDowell aftermath this is not the kind of player that I think they would be drafting personally I think today he knocked himself off of their draft board maybe he can get back on it but I think that he's maybe a player that's played himself off that draft board with some of the things that have happened now Corbin, I think that what you just said is is really well put. I think that Jalen Carter could put himself back onto Seattle's draft board. I think that he could put himself back onto a lot of clubs' draft board because the talent is that ridiculous. I've been doing this for an awful long time, and talents like Jalen Carter are far and few between. He is legitimately a number one overall candidate, and he legitimately could fall who knows how far in the first round. I mean, if, if Seattle is sitting there at number 20 overall and Jalen Carter is on the board, given the 
disappointing performance that we saw today during his pro day, where, as you said, it, he came in nine pounds heavier than he was, uh, what, 20 days ago at the combine? Less than that. <laughs> I mean, Corbett, I'm a big man. I, I put on weight myself. And to put on nine pounds in 20 days is, is an awful lot of calories, awful lot of sitting around. And it, and it could be that he's depressed. It could be that he's lonely. It could be that he's scared. He's a 21-year-old young man. I mean, my heart breaks for him because I see talent. I, I see a young man who I want to believe in. I just am worried. And at number five overall, I, I just don't know that Seattle can make that, that selection anymore. And so I, I've been among those who have kind of argued, keep Jalen Carter alive. He's just that damn good. Um, you know, and, and I still believe that you have to keep him alive. But my goodness, I am. I, I, I'm hanging on the edge at this point because, again, the most important factor is the horrible accident that happened, you know, a couple of months ago. Yeah, but, we can't downplay that. Exactly. But but what we have seen since that time is troubling. I do like the veterans that Seattle has brought in. I do like the coaching, the leadership that Seattle has. I think that the Seahawks are a club that has a little bit more options to bring in Jalen Carter than most do. But I, I just think that also you are in a position to excel right now. And what a what, what a huge risk that you might be taking. I think that at this point, what we've seen from Jalen Carter is you have to look elsewhere at that spot. Again, as we talked about before, I think that you're going to see those quarterbacks come off the board. I think that possibly Seattle would be interested in a Will Levis or Anthony Richardson, but I also believe that in Will Anderson and, and Tyree Wilson especially, you're talking about two players that you should be, feel lucky that you have a, 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 an opportunity to take any one of these and players. two high-character guys, too. Exactly. And so that's why I think that they have to be the logical, you know, the, the, the guy or the guys who are the the favorites at this point to be Seattle selection, if not one of the quarterbacks. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how this ends up unfolding in coming weeks. And, and I'm hoping that Jalen Carter is able to rebound from this. And I'm hoping that it is some depression that is linked to this because he is such a special talent. You want the kid to succeed. And at the same time, I think John Schneider is going to be very gun shy with a guy like that, especially when you don't see the competitive fire and the grit uh, to show up at your job interview and and you just flunk it the way that he did. I mean, there's no other word he can use. He flunked today. And I just can't see John Schneider. Now, maybe Pete Carroll looking like this is my opportunity, but I think even Pete Carroll, with the way things have played out the last few years, they're looking for certain types of guys. And right now we're not seeing that DNA in him. And so these next few weeks will be interesting to see if he's able to repair that image a little bit and maybe play his way back onto the board. But I would not be shocked if John Schneider and Pete Carroll have taken him off at this point. And we'll just wait and see. They are in a good spot, though, to get a premium defensive player. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. Make sure to check out Locked on Seahawks. We're available on all major podcast platforms and streaming five days a week on YouTube. We'll continue our free agent roundup on our Thursday episode. I will not be here. It's going to be Nick Lee and Dallas Cooper as the host. I'm having elbow reconstruction surgery tomorrow. So it'll be a few days until you guys see me on air again. I hope to be back next Monday. But enjoy the show with Nick and Dallas. They'll have a lot of great insight on what the Seahawks do tomorrow and everything else going on in NFL news. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Go Hawks.